I think all the research out there is telling us that coffee in moderation, just like alcohol in moderation, can actually be really healthful. There's a lot of rich, like we talked about, antioxidants in coffee, amongst other things. So in those ways, I think, you know, if you can tolerate it, great. I would say most of my SIBO patients are adrenally fatigued. Hi, my name is Siobhan Sarna, and you are listening to the SIBO SOS podcast. Today, we're going to be finishing up the conversation with Dr. Megan Taylor, who's a naturopathic physician who is a SIBO patient herself. She's going to be talking to us about genetics and SIBO, vitamin B12, anemia, $5 salt, and what coffee can do or not do for you when you have SIBO. As usual, she is very inspiring, and because she's a SIBO patient herself, I think has even more insight into what it's really like in dealing with this condition. So grab a cup of, well, coffee, I don't know, weak tea maybe? Or some distilled water or mineral water or, I don't know, get some sort of beverage, take a breath, relax, and listen in to Dr. Megan Taylor. Let's switch gears a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about DNA for a second. Because with 23andMe and even before that, like Ancestry.com, everyone's right. been trying to figure out what's going on with their their ancestry. Right. And then there's some people with medical conditions are taking it that step further right. and wanting to look at their genome. Right. So I know you've done it. Yeah. I've done it. And I'm still trying to figure out what the, um, <laughs> the foreign language means. Yes. Yeah. So if someone was interested in that, I know um, that 23andMe is something that professionals like you um, can get the raw data Mm -hmm. sort of translated for us. Exactly. So, and actually you can translate the data for yourself, which is great. So I'll tell you to talk a little bit about that. I think genetic testing is really interesting. It's a whole new field. There's more information than we can even take in, right? You have to sort of specialize in just that thing if you really want, want to be an expert in it. But it can give us a lot of great insight into why certain things might not be working. Um, Often I'll send people to 23andMe to get that basic test in part because it's currently the least expensive way to get that information. Granted, it's not through a lab, like a medical lab in the same way that ordering. So there is genetic testing available through actual labs. Um, but if it's not covered by your insurance, which in some, some cases it's not, 23andMe can be a great way to go. It's really easy to collect, right? You get a little kit in the mail, you spit in a tube, you send it back. Can take a little while to get the results. But once you learn, oh, my results are available. You go online, you sign in, they get all sorts of cool information about your ancestry, how much Neanderthal DNA you have, like all that stuff. Really interesting. That's not the most interesting stuff though, from the medical perspective. So they also give you a bunch of raw data, raw genetic data that's looking at various genes throughout your genome, specifically looking for variants in those genes, potentially variants in those genes that might make you more or less predisposed to either developing certain conditions being able to process certain certain drugs a particular way, or genes are related to enzyme function in the body. Right? Enzymes are proteins in our body. They do everything. We talked a little bit about pancreatic enzymes. Those are involved in digestion. Enzymes are what make our bodies go, right? And so if that the effectiveness of those enzymes is off at all, which people would often have, right? Some little enzyme defects, that can really impact our ability to metabolize anything and everything, metabolize certain nutrients, predispose us to certain conditions. And so I like to use them for my SIBO patients in part. We talked about a lot of us are in that sympathetic dominant state. We might tend towards anxiety. We might tend towards sort of like the high, um, we'll call adrenaline load, right? 
these are our patients that might not tolerate caffeine very well. They might love it, but it sends them over the edge, right? Or have difficulty with metabolizing certain drugs. These patients will often have particular versions of a gene. They're called SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms. Easier to say SNPs that are communicate to us or tell us that they have a little bit less activity in that enzyme. And so we look at few. We look at um, probably the most common ones are things like the MTHFR gene. That's all over the internet. So you'll see tons of information about that. That's involved in the process of the metabolism of B vitamins, really important for our blood cells and our DNA division, kind of blood cell synthesis and actually being able to prevent things like anemia and kind of help our bodies recover from illness. So that's huge. Also involved in the production of neurotransmitters, serotonin, melatonin, involved in a whole host of pieces around hormone synthesis and development. So it's it's a big... It's huge. It's huge and really important to know. It also tells us if you're going to tolerate certain forms of vitamin B vitamins. Some people take methylated B vitamins and it makes them so jittery, right? They just can't handle it. It may be that you have a SNP related to that gene that might mean that we have to start a different place. We have to maybe try unmethylated B vitamins first and kind of go slowly and steadily up. So that's one set of genes. Another one that I look at often are what are called the COMPT-T and MAO. Those are both enzymes that are involved in the breakdown of those stress neurotransmitters, right? Those That adrenaline that can get kind of revved up. Like we see a lot of SIBO patients who have in, an inability to really thoroughly break down those those stress neurotransmitters, and that impacts our bodies, right? If we have more adrenaline in our bodies for longer than it should, it impacts our digestive function ultimately, right? Less circulation, constricts all those blood vessels, makes it difficult for us to digest our food, and makes it harder for our immune system to function ultimately. So really helpful information to look into. I love it. It's great. It's always great to have that information, and it's not the answer. Right. Like no one thing is, but... right. But for example, that whole B vitamin, the kind to take, there's, can you say the three kinds that there are? There's the H, the C, and the M? (laughs) So this is all about B12. B12, okay. So there's hydroxycobalamin. Yeah. There's methylcobalamin. Mm -hmm. And then there are a few different ones on the market. Um, Cyanocobalamin was used for a long time. That actually has a little cyanide molecule, not dangerous to us. Um, but in supplements, and there's an, actually a fourth that's used a lot now um, in a lot of supplements called adenosylcobalamin. The adenosylcobalamin, hydroxycobalamin, and methylcobalamin all have active functions in our bodies. The cyanocobalamin doesn't really. The cyanide molecule just gets boop, kind of replaced by one of those others that we talked about. But depending on your genetic SNPs, you might tolerate one version of that vitamin better than another version. Trial and error gives you a lot of good information, but those genetic SNPs can give us a good insight. Is there one of those four that works for everybody? There is in the sense of that it might prevent that kind of symptom we talked about, that increased jitteriness, mm-hmm. right? Doing just hydroxycobalamin might mm-hmm. help with that mm-hmm. or adenosylcobalamin, but it might not help the other symptoms. Like you probably need a little bit of methylcobalamin, but you need it in the right amounts. Okay. So... It really is based on your specific case. What are we trying to address by giving you B vitamins? Is it, you know, anemia? Is it, you know, nerve symptoms? Are you having numbness tingling? Is it a deficiency because of your SIBO? Really, really common. So depending on what we're trying to address, we'll give you different forms. Have you seen that a lot of SIBO patients skew high in their blood work for having B12? 
That has come up a lot. A lot of the time it's come, it comes up in part because patients are supplementing and v- blood levels vary dramatically if you're supplementing mm-hmm. or if you've had injections. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. If you have really high levels, I think that there's some controversy right now whether that makes any difference. We've kind of been operating on the assumption it's a water-soluble vitamin. You'll get rid of it out of your body. You don't need to worry about it accumulating. I think more and more research is going to come out in, over the next years to tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about how safe that is. But what we've been operating on, it's safe. You can have really high blood levels. The key is, is that the active form that you actually need? And so that's where it gets into looking at other markers. Serum B12 is not usually the best marker to look at to see, are you getting the amount of B vitamins you need? There was some theory that I read about, about how even if you're not supplementing for B12 Mm -hmm. and it's really high, Mm -hmm. that maybe the bacteria that is um, causing your SIBO is creating Creating it. Because it can. There's a little bit of of B12 that gets created by bacteria. That's typically happening in the guts of ruminant animals, our cows and our things things we get dairy from, like Uh animal sources, which are rich in B12. Um, But it could could be happening in the the guts of of us too. Hmm. You just were talking about how B12 or B vitamins affects Mm -hmm. anemia. Yeah. That seems very strange to me. I know there's a relationship. I don't know what it is. Will you help us to understand it? Because all I think of is iron. Right. 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 And then the anemia that shows up from people who have SIBO, which is so many doctors don't know about. Because I was anemic for a really long time. No even thought of a relationship to SIBO. Mm -hmm. And also, um, what are the treatments if you have anemia? And why is it important? But how do the B vitamins come into that? It's a really good question. Really common in SIBO patients because those bacteria, right, are right in the area where you should be digest. You're absorbing these nutrients: your B12, your iron, your copper. Another really key component for um, to prevent anemia. Iron, we all know about, right? Iron deficiency anemia. Yeah. That's kind of known broadly. Really important and does ha- and definitely can impact patients. The B12 anemia, also known about, but maybe not as understood into why. The B12 itself helps actually. You're, it's involved in DNA synthesis and cell division. So as your red blood cells are being created in your bone marrow, right, they're going through this process of being created and dividing, and you get these, that hopefully what's being produced and released into your bloodstream are these nice, healthy red blood cells that are the right size, right, that have everything they need, including enough iron in, in the form of hemoglobin to do all the, the things that they need in the body. With a B12 deficiency, you end up not having as much cell division happening, so you end up with bigger cells, right? Cells haven't been able to go through the division process. They get bigger. They're called megaloblastic, big word, Mm -hmm. megaloblastic cells. I think it's a fun word. They're bigger cells, and they get into the bloodstream, and so you can actually measure that as part of a routine blood count. It'll look at the size of your red blood cells, your mean corpuscular volume, or MCV, if that's trending big, now most labs will say anything under 100, no problem, you're fine, right? When we take it like our, our functional medicine lens, our naturopathic lens, and we're looking at it, we say, actually, we really want it kind of like mm, low 90s, preferably, right? Maybe low to mid 90s. Anything around 95 or higher, that's saying we're trending big. And so we definitely address it. So we'll often supplement with B, with B vitamins. We always supplement with B vitamins in combination with folate. In part, and it's probably a mechanism we can't go into explaining in depth here, but you really want to have, make sure you have both on board. It's possible to potentially kind of mask a deficiency if you don't use both. And we need both for our bodies um, to function healthfully. 
And then we just monitor that, that red cell volume, right? If, as it, de it should, if you get enough B vitamins in your body, it should decrease and you should get a kind of a healthy, good, good blood cell size. So from B vitamins to iron yeah. supplements. Um, and so we use typically um, more absorbable forms. Iron bisglycinate is one we use quite a bit of. That is, has a much higher absorbability, tends to cause less constipation. I will say that it can still cause constipation. So I often talk to patients about a few options. One, having it with a vitamin C rich food, really helpful, actually improves absorption. So lemon juice, some apple cider vinegar, something like that to help, or even a vitamin C you know, chewable or a pill can help to absorb, the, absorb it. And then we also look at other ways to increase iron, right? Cooking with cast iron pans actually increases, helps, right. helps improve iron stores. So we do that with some people who need, who need the iron. Again, it's all, we never want to supplement iron unless you actually need it. Too much iron is definitely a bad thing, but if you need it, there's some kind of workarounds. I think iron bisglycinate is fantastic and doing some things to improve its absorbability. What about iron drips? Iron drips. Yes, that's absolutely, you can absolutely go that route. We typically, we don't, um, I typically don't start there just because it's more invasive, right? Yeah. You have something like an IV of iron. It definitely is doable. And if you see somebody who does those, it can be really helpful kind of circumvent, you know, vent that gut issue. So before I um, found out that there was a relationship between SIBO and uh, anemia and then ultimately low ferritin, yes, I um, went to an oncologist because I wow. was finding the, um, the iron supplements to be really constipating. Yeah. So I went to the oncologist and she's like, no problem. You know, she tested all the different mm -hmm. markers and stuff. And so we popped me on an iron, an iron drip and then it got a little bit better. And then I, um, went back a little bit later, did it again, but it was frustrating because I didn't know why I was anemic. Yeah. And then I just, for the episode itself, you know, my mom passed away from cancer mm. and it was in a chemotherapy lounge. Oh. Okay. So you're going there for an iron drip yeah. and I mean, bless those nurses, bless the patients, bless everybody. Yeah. But it just, I don't want anyone to be surprised because your doctor may send you to a place that, you know, does this kind of thing, yeah. a facility that does these kinds right. of things, but just know what you're going to be walking into, especially if you don't have like a functional medicine doctor who does this right. all the time with vitamin B and magnesium right. and all this stuff right. where it's just like feel good drips. Right. It's, it was, I just walked in and burst into tears. It was just really, really upsetting. Yeah. Um, it was just a huge trigger for me. Right. Maybe it's not for anybody else. And really good you know, to know though. I just wanted people to be warned mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. yeah. So I ended up telling her the doctor that, Hey, you know, this is probably because of SIBO. And she's like, mm. well, what's SIBO? Ah, so I yes. just try to, you know, mm -hmm. do a full circle so that maybe she can go to the next person that comes to her with yeah. low uh, iron go like, Hey, yeah. Have you found out about this SIBO business? <laughs> Go exactly. Google that, SIBOinfo.com. Super important. Yeah. I think that the, the, that's probably the ultimate, right? We can talk all about supplements and, and, nutri yeah. and you know, IV nutrition and all of that. It's really getting at the root cause of why you're anemic, right? right. right. And so do, do addressing the SIBO, that's key. You know, there, there is something to be said, especially for chronic cases, because then you're saying like, well, I got it chronically. Like, how am I supposed to deal with that? Mm -hmm. um, we have been experimenting with using herbals before meals, herbal antimicrobials before meals to kind of knock down the bacteria a little bit. We don't, I, there, I would say that the research on it was slim and we're just using kind of anecdotal experience, thinking that if we can kind of calm those bacteria, kind of, kind of 
probably like knock them out a little bit right before we yeah. eat. It decreases our symptoms, right? We don't have as much like gas bloating, et cetera, mm-hmm. when we eat our meal, but also that we it might help improve absorbability, you know, that our nutrients might have a chance of getting absorbed mm-hmm. versus those bacteria consuming them. So right. theory at this theory, point, yeah. but it might it's an option for people experiencing chronic cases where they really just can't get a handle on their anemia as a result. Very good. Thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Just Thrive Probiotics. I wasn't a believer, I have to admit. I thought all probiotics were the same because in the past I had taken them and didn't really notice a difference. Well, once I read the studies on Just Thrive, which were recommended to me from several friends in this health space, it started with an old root canal that needed to be extracted. I took the Just Thrive with the massive dose of antibiotics and it helped me so much. I couldn't believe it. So I want you to know about it because if it made a difference for me and I'm a tough case, chances are it's gonna make an impact on you. Obviously you can tell I'm a fan. I hope you'll investigate it for yourself. That's Just Thrive Probiotics. And thank you so much to them for supporting this community. We love them for it. Let's talk about water. Yes. Okay. How much water do you suggest that your patients drink every day? Sort of rule of thumb that I use a lot with patients is half your body weight in fluid ounces. Probably most people have told you (laughs) that because it's kind of an ND thing. Um, I would kind of add to that. I've noticed that a lot of SIBO patients have a really hard time absorbing their water. A lot of them will say, I drink a ton and I just urinate it all out. Like I can't Mm. hold on to my water. I feel dehydrated all the time or I feel like I have to drink all the time. So we'll often use things. These people are also often, like Dr. C. Becker mentioned to you, adrenally fatigued. Mm -hmm. When we have adrenal issues, we have salt balance issues in our bodies. Our adrenal glands are helpful for kind of regulating salt in our blood. And that can contribute to dehydration and not being able to hold on to our water. So I usually do, we'll often do one of two things. I'll either talk or do both. We'll talk about using mineral rich sea salt in their water as a way to help not only get some extra minerals in, but also help your body kind of hold on to that water. Um, And through osmosis, and we don't need to necessarily go into that mechanism. And then trace minerals. I love trace minerals. I can use them as a liquid drop instead of being in, um, the salts are great, but they're often really low, low potency. You can use trace mineral liquids that you add to water. Most folks find them, either they don't mind the taste or they even taste good. Very occasionally have people who say, I can't stand the taste that tastes awful, like metal. Yeah, metallic salty. Metallic salty. But but some people even say that, talk talk about them being kind of sweet tasting. I wonder if those people need them more, but that's just a total theory. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Really interesting. But we need those minerals for everything. They don't, theoretically, I think they help us hold on to our water more, again, through that osmotic mechanism, but also... Our enzymes, the enzymes we talked about earlier, they need trace minerals in order to operate effectively. They need a little bit of copper. They need molybdenum. They need manganese. They need these trace minerals that originally we found in our soil that made their way in our food. Our soil is so depleted at this point, right. really. I mean, unless you're you're working really hard, you have a biodynamic garden, you're growing all your own vegetables, right? We need a little bit more. And so I think a lot of people benefit from a little extra trace minerals and so add those to the water just like a couple of drops depends on the on the on the form you know it might be anywhere from a couple of drops to a teaspoon that you add i have people just add it to their water bottle their first water bottle of the day and do you have a specific brand you like i like a professional complementary health formulations they have a trace mineral drop um, that is a certain kind of form of their minerals that i think are really absorbable patients tend to tolerate them well they're not really they're they taste 
decent, pretty to, decent to pretty good for most people. Um, and you just use a teaspoon a day in water. And what's the name of it again? That was a mouthful. Professional complementary health formulations. Okay. Yes. Okay. And would you put a little bit of the, the sea salt in there too? Yeah, and just a pinch, not to make it salty. Right, you don't actually like... need it to, you don't need to taste salty, mm-hmm. but a little pinch can go a long way. But mineral rich, we're not talking about like the, the salt that you buy, you know, your iodized salt. Right. Iodine's important, whole nother topic, but not necessarily that salt, more like your Himalayan pink salt, the real okay. salt from the Great Lakes, sea salts from, you know, France, those things that those are Celtic salts. Exactly. Yeah. Things that have a little bit of um, color to them is always like a clue. Oh, it's got a little bit more than just sodium chloride in here. Right. So we call that the $5 salt in our house. <laughs> exactly. My Use it like, as a garnish. It was <laughs> like, you paid $5 for this salt yeah. <laughs> when we could get it at the grocery store for nine cents. I know. It's mineral rich. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Okay. And then what is your take on coffee? Oh my gosh. Such a good question. I, again, think it's person specific. I think all the research out there is telling us that coffee in moderation, just like alcohol in moderation, can actually be really healthful, right? There's a lot of rich, like we talked about antioxidants in coffee, amongst other things. So in those ways, I think, you know, if you can tolerate it, great. I would say most of my SIBO patients are adrenally fatigued and coffee is that thing that just keeping their adrenals boosted. They're just trying to get through, yeah. right? And all, our ultimate goal probably would to get at what's underneath that, help them so they can get off coffee because more often than not, it's sort of a false energy, right? And can ultimately kind of burn you out more. Yeah. Burn those adrenals out more. So. And there's uh, organic coffee, which apparently is supposed to be so much better for you than yeah. regular coffee yeah, uh, because of all the chemicals that are used. Yep. And then if you get it decaffeinated, it has to be a very specific, like French water, French water processing, processing. because the, again, chemicals used to decaffeinate right. coffee. So if you're somebody right. who still wants that cup of coffee, but you're caffeine sensitive, a lot of patients are, the decaf version is great, but again, get it, do that, that French the, the water, Swiss water processing. Swiss. Sorry. <laughs> to the entire but country the, of France and Switzerland. Okay. <laughs> but Swiss, that, yeah. that to like, to help to remove the um, caffeine in a healthful way that's just not adding more chemicals to your cup. Right. Yeah. Then I hear about bull, bulletproof coffee. Yes. Right. Yes, like the, the newest. Hoodie. Yeah. Put the Bam. coconut water or yeah, coconut, coconut milk oil. in there. Yeah. No, it's coconut oil. oil. Coconut oil. Maybe yeah. some but- grass-fed butter. Different. Yeah. Different. You know, a little salt. I can't even like do. get my brain around it to even speak of it because that just <laughs> sounds so weird to me. It sounds really weird. I'd say I would mention it is delicious. It's not. There's not like a. You would imagine oil and coffee gross, but you blend it up, it gets really emulsified mm. and it's quite like kind of creamy. So mm. if you're really that person who coffee with cream was your jam. Yeah. This is a way to kind of get at that without without the cream. So it works. How do you feel about jam? Because <laughs> I totally now want some jam on jam, some gluten please. toast with some coffee. I know. And some Swiss Miss. <laughs> All of those things. Together. All of those things. <laughs> I actually found an awesome jam. I think it's, is it Crofters? It does a fruit juice sweetened. Mm. which is nice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still sugar. Mm-hmm. Granted though, simple sugars should be largely well tolerated. So if it's the right kind of berry fruit, you know, you pick a, you know, maybe a strawberry. Mm. It's delicious. All right. We'll take it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Taylor, for another amazing podcast here at SIBO SOS. We are so grateful to have had you for so many sessions. 
And as always, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a happy review. We'd love to hear from you. And every time you subscribe or review, it helps us to go up in the rankings so our message and information can reach more people with SIBO or who are SIBO curious and need to figure out what's going on with their gut. Remember what it was like when you didn't know what was going on? Yep, it was lonely. And I don't want anyone to be lonely in this condition because it's hard enough. See you next time.